I really like these opportunities that we take about once a month or so. Uh, for me to talk to the whole of our church community across every site and service at HTB, to try and share a little sense of what I believe that God may be saying to us and to our city at these moments. And so we actually were building up a bit of a back catalogue now. Uh, we talked back about uh, carrying each other's burdens, about being jars for Jesus. Then we talked about breaking the scarcity mindset. Uh, we've looked at real resilience, light up London. And today, well, I've been the pastor here now for getting on for six months, and I don't think that we should go any further before we talk about the most important thing that God is talking to us about. The message that God is always speaking, every moment of every day. It's the message of the cross that God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That Jesus has come from heaven and taken your sin. Jesus has come from heaven to the cross and carried your sin. You come to the cross where Jesus invites you to leave with him all your sin, all your guilt, all your wrongdoings, and walk away free. It's called grace. And on the cross, Jesus took everything that you and I have ever done, ever thought, ever said, ever will do, and he absorbed it into his own death and paid the price for it. And then through being raised from the dead, he has forever paid the penalty of all our sin. We are forever forgiven and free. And because of the cross, have you thought about this? Because of the cross, God now sees you and me the same way he relates to you and me now, in the same way that he relates to Jesus himself. As somebody who has never sinned and never will sin because of the cross. So you come into church today and God greets you. Oh, wonderful to see you. So glad you're here. And you go back to God, really? Did you not see what I did yesterday? No, no, it's all good. Yeah, but Thursday, I mean, I screwed up. It was pretty major, wasn't it? No, don't, don't recall that. I mean, Isaiah 43 that says that God blots out our transgressions. He, he remembers our sins no more. In other words, it's not just that he chooses to turn a blind eye, pretends that we're better than we are, because of Jesus. No, no, no. In Jesus, he, it simply doesn't register with him now. All our sin, he is forgotten, is gone. And however difficult this may be for you to grasp, there's an event that took place at the cross that has changed life forever. It is the miracle of your right standing with God. 
So now, while you say, well, thank you so much for that, Archie. I'm so glad I came to church today to be reminded that Jesus loves me and Jesus died for me and the cross. But you see, it's a bit basic, isn't it? I mean, I know all that. I've been a Christian. I was taught that as a child. I think we covered that on Alpha Week 3, didn't we? Jesus died for my sins. I mean, is that all you've got? But the truth is that the likelihood is that if you are a Christian, although you know that Jesus died for you and that you live in grace and forgiveness, your life or your approach to the way that you live day to day very often denies that you have really grasped anything very much at all about forgiveness and grace and the love of God. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul writes these words, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, don't be yoked again to a yoke of slavery. So I want to talk for a few moments on the title, Does My Life Look Like Freedom? Paul, when he writes to the Galatians there, uh, the, the Galatian church, it used to be a great church. Oh yeah, because all their focus was on Jesus and on what Jesus had done for them on the cross. But then after a little while, some people joined the church and they introduced to the church false doctrine. And they said, you know, Jesus is all good and you're right, he has forgiven your sins, but, but, but you also need to do this to be a Christian. And also you need to do this and then this. And so these Christians in Galatia, they begin to think, we better get our act together if we're going to be a Christian. So now Paul comes along and says, no, 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 no. Look, the things that you do, you do them not because you have to do them now, but because you can do them, or if you really want to do them, and he keeps on bringing them back to grace. And so then, maybe we have got a talk that we could give today. Does, does your life, my life, look like freedom? Sometimes? Uh, no time soon? <laughs> All the time? Or does my life look more like pretty self-absorbed, actually? pretty overly responsible, weighed down. I mean, do you ever think that Jesus might be saying to us, why do you go around looking like you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders when I've already carried it? I mean, anyone else like me find that as you come into this week, that your mood will go up or down this week? in relation to what other people think of you? Anyone look at the to-do list that you've got for the coming week and think, my goodness, how am I going to get all that done? Now, there may be other factors at play, but without the cross, you see, 
you and I will always tend towards living a life that's based upon the feedback of what people give us day to day, how we're measuring up. We'll tend towards a life that is based upon our success in achieving that to-do list, pulling off all those things and our accomplishments or lack of. But Paul writes again to the Galatians. He says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? Anyone a people pleaser here? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now look, I, I want us to understand this. The only route to your sense of identity, the only way you will feel secure in this life, the only route to a sense of real self-esteem and, and, and freedom, the only way to those things is through the cross. To practice the cross. To live under, around the cross. To lean into the cross. To relax into the cross. To trust the cross. To live as though the cross is true every day. Robert McChain, a Scottish pastor, said, for every one look at yourself, you need to take 10 looks at Christ on the cross. John Newton said that one glance at the cross will be better for you than a whole month of pouring over your own wounds. What do they mean? Well, if it's any help to you, this is how I come at it. I imagine myself as a little boy, small kid, holding a sheaf of papers, a bunch of papers. And Jesus, in my kind of image picture, he is walking up to me, approaches me. And quickly, when I see him coming, I hide these papers behind my back. But like a bit like a teacher with a kid, the teacher like always notices what's behind your back. And so does Jesus. And he says to me, um, quite gently, what you got there? And I go, uh, nothing, and uh, nothing. But um, he's sounds a bit lame because he just like an awkward silence. So after a bit, I get out from behind my back. I say, oh, oh, yeah. It's actually a list here of all my sins, all the things I've ever done wrong. And Jesus says to me, don't you want me to look at it? I said, no, 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 it's private. I mean, no, no one's ever looked at that list. And Jesus says, I think he's smiling, but because I'm looking at my feet, I don't know. He says, do you know I've got a place for lists like that? Won't you let me have it? And he holds out his hand. Well, so very slowly and very hesitatingly, 
I, I hand over my list to him. And I'm expecting him to like open it up and start reading it and like his smile to turn to shock and surprise and a bit of anger. But to my surprise, he doesn't even glance at it. <laughs> but he takes it over to where I see now is standing a, a huge cross. And he takes out like a, a large pin, it's more like a nail really, and he pins my list um, to that cross. And he turns around to me and he said, there, I said I've got a place for your list and that's where it is. Actually, do you know what, Archie, I, I did put it there once before, your list, on the day that I died for you. So I don't know why, why you're taking it down again. Look, let's leave it there. No more lists, right? Paul writes these words. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the record of charges which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. I think this is something of the picture that I just gave. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them by the cross. Yeah, I think that's probably what he was saying, that God forgave us some of our sins. Oh, no, I didn't say that. Oh, that's right. God forgave us most of... No. God forgave us... Oh, yeah, that's right. All our sins, apart from the one thing that I once did that I just never quite got over. It's so simple. It's like we miss it. That God forgave us all our sins. Which is why Romans says that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hey, I ought to warn you though, there's an enemy called the devil and he does not want your freedom. And he is out to attack this sense of freedom that you can have in the cross. And the way that he does it is not so much by getting you to slip up, I mean, we all do that, or to sin, I mean, we all do that. His tactic is to get you to think that you've sinned once too often and that the grace and the power of the cross has run out for you and that you cannot go back to the cross again because you've used up all the power of the cross. But it is not true. The devil is a liar and a deceiver. You are forever right with God. It's a little bit like I've got a friend who whenever we go for a cup of coffee or a restaurant or something to eat when we're out, the thing about this friend is he always, he always gets to pay the bill before I get to pay it. Have you got friends like that? Yeah, so like he's really sneaky. So uh, like towards the end of the meal, he'll pretend he's going to the bathroom and then on the way up, he'll say, can I just get a bill for that? And then I have to be, like, I've, sometimes he goes, um, Arch, what's that? I look around, and he suddenly he's paid the bill before I get to it. And then occasionally it's a bit embarrassing, because we both go up to the counter together to pay. And I say, no, no, I've got this, no, no, I've got this, I've got this. And then um, he pretends to look at his phone while I'm getting my card out to pay, but his phone's got Apple Pay on, and he just goes like that. <laughs> Jesus is like that. 
He, he is always paying the bill before you can because of his endless mercies on the cross. In the Old Testament, if you lived in the Old Testament times, if you sinned, what you had to do is to get hold of a lamb that was like a really perfect lamb, one without spots or what they called unblemished. And you would take hold of this lamb and you would take it along to the local priest and the priest and his attendants would pour over the lamb to see that it was perfect, without spots or marks or injury or unblemished. And at that moment, all eyes are on the lamb. No one is looking at you, wondering why you are so muddy, why you're so imperfect. You are not relevant to the process at this point. All eyes are on the lamb. And finally, the priest declares that the lamb is fine. It's perfect. It is without blemish. So they take the lamb away and it is sacrificed. And you pick up the spotless, unblemished nature of the lamb. And your sin is expunged and forgiven. And you go home free. And in the New Testament... John the Baptist sees Jesus coming towards him and he goes, hey, hey, ho, ho, here comes the lamb. And the same process happens on the cross. No wonder in heaven we're told in Revelation that we will be singing songs always about the lamb who was slain. I'm going to finish in a moment. But is this helping you at all? Oh, good. <laughs> um, well, in, in that case, thank you. But in that case, um, do you think your life could look a bit more like freedom? I mean, if you, if you really like must work at being a Christian... Why don't you put your, all your energy into focusing a bit more on the cross and admiring Jesus and wondering at what he's done and appreciating him on the cross? For I am discovering, for myself I'm discovering, that I cannot force myself into change. I can only be melted. Because... Once you start to believe that because of Jesus, God really does accept you, despite all your failures, all your shortcomings, all your sins, once you begin to have your heart melted by that, then you begin after a little bit to think, well, maybe if God accepts me, then maybe I could accept myself then. And you begin to live a little freer, Maybe your life becomes bit by bit less of a project and more a product of grace. And HTB, this is your life. From the moment that you first put your trust in Jesus until your very last breath, your life is to live 
in this freedom and grace. Luther said, I preach the gospel to myself every day because I forget it every day. So what will you do now with your life? Now that you don't have to do anything. And what does a life really look like under the banner of the cross that says it is finished? Can you imagine an HTB and then a London that looks like freedom? Yeah, I can too. Amen. Amen. Should we stand? We're going to pray.